White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 722. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and somewhere in mysterious Ohio... It's the Babylon. It's the White Rocket Babylon Five Review Podcast. Andy, how are you tonight? Van, I am absolutely wonderful. How are you doing today? I I just ate half a half a gallon. I just ate half a gallon of chocolate peanut butter ice cream. I'm bouncing off the freaking walls, Andy. It's going to be quite a show tonight. <laughs> I bet. I, I'm pretty sure that that Ohio isn't that much of a mystery. I mean, we are on the map. <laughs> Cincinnati is a big city. I just try not to reveal your location unless you want it revealed is all. I'm, oh, I'm yeah, trying no. to maintain your anonymity as, ne- as far as necessary. <laughs> From parts unknown. I'm like the <laughs> ultimate warrior. <laughs> yes, parts unknown. Oh, that's great. Oh, well, we are here for uh, another episode. We are still, we're kind of on the back nine half of, uh, of season four. And we'll be talking about that tonight, among other things. Um... This is, by the way, just let me get the the boilerplate bookkeeping stuff out of the way up first. This is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Uh, if you would like to support this show, go to www.b5review.com, b5review.com, and click on the button to become a patron. We'd love to have you, and we will be thanking our current patrons and, uh, and uh, seeing what kind of messages they have for us and for you in just a little while. What am I forgetting, Andy? I can't even think straight right now. Uh, did you tell people where they can find our podcast? Obviously, they know where they can find it, <laughs> those who are listening. But you usually put some sort of plug like that in there. Don't yes. You? Well, we are on all your standard uh, pod apps. We're even on Audible now, I believe. We're on yeah. uh, We're on uh, Spotify. Basically, wherever you go to get your fine podcasts, you can find our show. And so please, please spread the word. Right? <laughs> the, the show needs to grow. We have about the same number of listeners every uh, every two weeks for our bi-weekly episodes lately, but I'd love to increase it a little bit and get the word out to more folks, because it seems like the folks that listen to our show really seem to enjoy it. They do. And, yeah, and they always tell us so, and so I would like to uh, continue that that growth. So, uh, yeah, please tell a friend, anybody you know that, that enjoys Babylon 5 or wants to get into it, because remember, our show doesn't do spoilers. Um all right, so we're going to talk about uh, rumors, bargains, and lies tonight, which sounds like an episode of Farscape to a degree with that title. <laughs> right. Um, it's another one of those, by the way, where I hear the title and I go, I kind of know where that falls in the series, and I kind of know some stuff that happens in it, but the last well, three all kind of run together to me as one big episode, honestly. Yeah, th- and this the title of this one actually describes it pretty well because it's all about rumors and making bargains and people telling lies. 
That's true, but it, it yeah, it, it is true. And but yeah, it's kind of these generic ones though that I don't know. I just they kind of all oops, I logged into the wrong logged into the wrong one. We'll fix that in a minute. All right. So in any case, before we get into that, we always have to check in on the news, see what's going on. And there has been a little bit of news. What kind of news have you seen lately to tell the folks about? Uh, the only thing I really seen is more um, details on the animated movie that are coming out. We got a title for it finally, and I, I I forgot to write it down, so I can't for the life of me think of what that title is. Something like the Journey Home or the Voyage yes. Home. Or yeah, the, the, the Journey Home. I think it's called. Um, got a. What else did we find out? Well, we. Oh, s- go ahead. Go ahead. I you had an interaction. You, you had an interaction with JMS on. I'm going to get to that. I did. All right. Um, but we've seen a picture of the station from it, and man, that looked really good. Yeah, I it was, did. I was very, I was very impressed because you know, I guess the only Babylon Five ever I've ever seen animated is uh, Babylon Park, which was the, <laughs> the South Park animated Babylon Five that they did back in the late nineties. Right. Uh, they they used to show that at Dragon Con. Some there you go. Ding 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 ding. It's been a, been been mentioned. And, um, <laughs> Everybody take your shot. Take a shot, and it's um, and it was basically the South Park characters done as Babylon Five characters. If you can find, it's probably on YouTube. Honestly, everything is. Yeah, I've, it, it's it's easy enough to find. I've seen it's it. it's so entertaining. It's so cute. Yeah, that's where I got Darth Kashi from for for right. for the for Olkesh. But anyway, that's the only one, and I and so it it, it on purpose looked super cheesy on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing the Babylon Five station animated that doesn't look like Babylon Park was. <laughs> Was a religious experience because right. it looked I, it looked better than the one on the show, basically, and from from the right. early nineties, you know. Well, computer animation has come quite a long way in the past thirty years. So, but I, I will note that we have not seen any animation of the characters at all. We we don't know what yeah. the characters look like. We don't know what the animation style is going to be. If it's going to be hyper realistic, if it's going to if, if they're going to be stylized, we don't know anything about that yet. I just I keep trying to imagine it. And I think of all the various types of animation, and none of them seems exactly. I you know, is it going to look like a, like a, like the Flash Gordon animated series from like 1980, 81 that was a great show. It was kind of rotoscoped, uh, clean right. art, beautiful, but very animated looking. You know, right? Or, or is it going to look like Archer? You know, right? Or is it going to look like? Lower decks. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Or, or I'm uh, thinking it might the, be more like uh, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, or it could be. Yeah, there's that. What's the um, uh, Rick and Morty? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. So, so there's just so many ways this could go, you know, and so many ways it could look that it it really it makes you think. Well, how, what? Well, obviously, you know. JMS had to sign off on it, presumably. Right, right. And he would be, if it was bad, he would be dis- distancing himself. Right. And Well, we're going to get a trailer sometime in June, middle of yeah. June, I believe. Yeah, so we'll there was see. some there was some argument about that because it's not, ex- it, he was saying we'd find out more at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, but that's not when, San, is that, that's before San Diego, isn't it? Or? I think San Diego Comic-Con has come and gone, hasn't it? Or not? What was he? There were the talk was that he was going to unveil it at his big presentation at a convention this summer. So I was hmm. thinking it was San Diego. Well, I remember he was talking about San Diego Comic Con, but I believe that was when they just made the the basic announcement. Um, oh, I'm looking it up or, now. 
the computer is our friend. No, it's July. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, th- that must... I, th- I think there's a rumor that they're going to show it there. Really? Yes. That would be interesting. That would not be... That, that would be on brand for San Diego. Yes, it definitely would be. So they're going to be like 500 people in Hall B or whatever yeah. that get to see it. Yeah, and there'll be and a I'll, line around the block to get into that room. Yes, and I'll tell you right now, if they're going to show it to people in advance like that, then they've got confidence in it. Because if they yeah. thought it was bad, they wouldn't want anybody to see it and turn around and go out and say, oh, this sucks. Right, I agree. So that's good, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think that J, from, from everything I've seen uh, uh, from JMS and the cast, they think that they're sitting on something really, really special. So let's Man. let's hope that that's not just hype. And I'm again, I'm so excited that they recast the voices because I mean I can understand if you did a new show using the same actors, that would be problematic. Right. You might as well do what they're doing, which is if they do it, which is the reboot where you just start over with everything new if you're going to do that, right? Because at this point, right. it's like over half the cast, you know. But if you're doing an animated and there's still half the cast alive, it's so cool that they can just recast Delenn, recast Zathras, recast, you know, whoever. Yep. And I guess Garibaldi and um, and all the other we talked about. That, I'm just, it would be, it's just going to be so cool to see those characters doing something new for the first time in, since what we decided, what, since 2007? Something like that, yeah. I think that's when Lost Tales came out. Yep. 16 years ago. So, all right. Um, but yeah, the station look. The two things we've seen so far are the logo, which looked great, kind of bronze Babylon 5 logo. And we saw the station, which looked like basically the station from the TV show. But just, I can't really figure out how to describe it. If you haven't seen it yet, just Google it. It's worth looking at. It, it looks really nice. Kind of look, you know what it kind of looked like is like the, it kind of reminded me of the picture of the Babylon Five station on the back of the of the collectible card game cards. Hmm. You yeah. may have one behind you if you know if you can if you know if you want to look and see. Right, I think you have well, one. It, it's it's upstairs in in oh, on my okay. in a hollowed section of my bookshelf. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah, underneath yeah. the trash can or something. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the now that's not true because you've seen a picture of my bookshelf. Somebody. Somebody even picked it out of, of the background of my bookshelf because I was showing off my uh, Lone Ranger statue. And somebody said, oh, I see a Babylon 5 card back there. So You, you know what, Andy? This is true. Yeah, this is true. A yep. um, couple other things. Yeah, I saw JMS answering some questions on Twitter. And I didn't. I think I didn't ask him directly, but I just noted somebody said something about Crusade. And I said, I've been asking him about that for 25 years, right? and I'm still not loving the... I forgot exactly how I put it. And and Straczynski came back at me. He's very combative, right? I imagine that <laughs> if you walked up to him and gave him a cake and said, happy birthday, he'd be like, well, who, what makes you think you have the right to do that? You know, he's just <laughs> going to find a way to take offense almost. But I, I, I admit that I wasn't... You know, I was kind of snide there, but but it was just true. I'm just frustrated because I've asked him about that for 25 years, and he's never given me a straight answer. And this time he did, which was funny because he was like, oh, I've told you the same thing for 25 years. It's blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm, I didn't say anything. Well, actually, right. I did. I said, I said, hey, you finally – I didn't say it. To, again, I didn't say it to him. I said, I appreciate – I said something like, I appreciate you saying this because this is not what I've usually heard – what I've previously heard. And it's good to get this answer. And what he basically said was, um, 
you know, in the past, he had said things like, well, the, well, Crusade was created just for a TV show. We're not doing that TV show anymore, so we're not going to do it, whatever. But this time, he said stuff about he doesn't own the rights to any of it, and he's not able to assign it to another, like, medium, to, like, a novel series or whatever. And, um, and, it, and he said it's not well-known enough to even be worth, basically, to be worth trying. Right. Which is disappointing and sad. But I, I guess we have to understand that to a certain degree and with certain things, he looks at them from the bottom line, right? And so right. to us, it's you gave us the first part of a story, and we would just like to know the conclusion. And it doesn't seem like that much to ask. But to him, it's like you're asking me to go work on something that I'm not going to really get rewarded for. It, it, right. Or not sufficiently. And I, I think we both have points. Both sides of that argument have points, right? I mean, no, I yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I mean, he was basically saying, and I was just trying to find the actual post on Twitter, but I couldn't find it uh, on such short notice. But yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, he basically said, "Look, you know, there's not enough interest in it outside of the the small core fan base. There's, you know, there's not enough." episodes to to generate any interest in it we don't even tell the the whole complete story we wanted to tell with it we didn't even get one full season we got half a season so there's not enough people out there that could potentially watch it to make it worth anybody's time but what's frustrating to me is that he personally as well as the network the channel pushed and pushed and pushed on us in 1999 to get excited about it and to be enthusiastic about it and to buy into it and want to know what happens. And those of us that did are now told, well, too bad for you. You look silly because I'm never going to do anything else for you. Right. And again, I understand the business side of that. I do. But it's still frustrating that I did what he asked, which is fall in love with something he created and then my response is not, I mean, even if he said, man, I'm sorry, you know, I hate it. It's too bad. Even if he said something like that, at least I would feel like he's acknowledging that he sold me a bill of goods and I'd kind of like my bill of goods. But instead, he's kind of like, oh, you bought that bill of goods? Well, sucks for you, pal. And that that uh, kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I can see that perspective, but... I mean, he didn't. It it was completely out of his control. What you know, the yeah. the the interference from the from the the network and it, it, all that stuff. And I, I'm sure it, it, the memory of of that show and what happened to it is kind of a bitter a bitter memory for him. So yeah, I, oh, yeah. And, and and I'm sure he's heard for the past 25 plus years from fans who keep asking the same question over and over and over again. Good, not, not specifically from you, but from <laughs> you know hundreds of others. I'm sure he's just sick of answering it. And I, I, I will point out that you probably killed any chance of JMS ever being a guest on our show. <laughs> well, that zero minus zero is still zero, <laughs> Andy. I'm afraid. I don't know about that. But uh, no, I hope we do keep asking him for the next 25 years, make it a nice even 50, because I want to know and I'm not going to ever give up. I, you know, and, um, yep. and the thing too is, you know, he's not going to, you know, we always said he could at least just say, hey, Peter David, write a book. But he can't even do that. He said he's not able to do that. He doesn't have the rights to even right. do that. And and you know what? At the root of it all, really, 
is that Warner is just weird about how they treat Babylon 5. They Warner treats Babylon 5 like it was Star Trek or Star Wars, this valuable property they just can't let anybody touch. But on the other hand, they, hard, they up until this year, they never do anything with it. Right. I mean, it's like, make up your mind. Either it's a valuable property, so exploit it, or... It's not a valuable property, so you don't want to do anything with it. And if you don't want to do anything with it, then let let Joe do something with it. But they have the, they yeah. take the worst of all possible re- reactions with it, you know. Right. And Warner's is like that with with all their IP. They, they it, whether it's, it's spectacularly popular or not, they guard it like it's like it's Fort Knox, and they don't let anybody mess with it. But then they look at it and they're like, eh, we're not going to do anything with that. Yes. But they still won't let anybody else play with it. I mean, so d- like, Th- Thunder the Barbarian is another is another. Oh. They, I mean, they won't let anybody near that, but they won't do a darn thing with it. I mean, they're, they're just, that's just how Warner Brothers is. It's, it's, they're, they're like you said, they're, they're just weird. They are. Pick one. Right. But they, they're, they, they're like, this is incredibly valuable and we should never do anything with it. Right. I mean, just look at what, what Marvel was able to accomplish with, um, Hasbro this week, you know, mm-hmm. people have been crying for the ROM comic book reprint mm-hmm. and the the Micronauts comic book reprint for decades, and Marvel kept saying, "Well, you know, we really can't do anything because we don't own the rights to those characters anymore, so we can't yep. reprint any of that stuff." And mm-hmm. then finally, I guess somebody just said, "Hey, let's go ask Hasbro," and Hasbro's like, <laughs> "Heck yeah!" <laughs> so, because well, again, a bird, a, a ROM in the hand is worth two in the bush. They exactly they realize. How much money is has ROM made for them in the last 30 years? Nothing. Right. If they print this comic book and it sells a few thousand copies, that's more money than if they don't from right. that property. Right. Crusade. I, I, I don't I I forever am befuddled by by um, movie studios and, and TV networks and how they handle their properties. I, I will never understand it. I mean they're just they're all just screwing the head yeah it's just so bizarre yeah um the only other thing i had in the news i know we have a long news section this time but we just want i just wanted to talk to you about some of this stuff is i noticed that the entire babylon 5 series in hd is currently on sale on apple itunes for 69.95 and it includes the tnt updated version of the gathering although strangely they have it at the very end so like if you're if you go on there and you're like, well, does this include the gathering? Scroll all the way to the end and it's the very last one. Although again, oddly, they have it numbered as episode 201. <laughs> what? I, I, that's the last number I would have ever you know picked for it. It's either you either number it the first or the right. last or right. like or you could number it conceivably you could number it 323, right? The end of season no 423. You could number it 423, right. you could number it 500, you could number it 501. You could do any of those things, but 201? I don't get it. I don't either, but that's where it is. It's at the very end, and it's it's basically where 523 would be. And it says 201, The Gathering. And I turned it on to see what it does, and it plays TNT Presents a Special Edition of. So gotcha. there you go. Um, thank goodness I got it when I did, when it was on sale for 24.95. I still can't believe that I paid almost half for the entire series digitally of what two episodes used to cost on VHS. Right, right. 
That's crazy. Two episodes on VHS were forty something dollars back in the day. Yep. That's insane. And then the the um, DVD series was like fifty or sixty yeah. bucks for one yeah. season. Yep. Yep. You know, I right back behind I, me here. Yep. I've got my uh, neighbor across the street. Um, he's in his late twenties. I introduced him to Babylon Five, and he is going through my DVDs right now. There you go. I I will not admit in a court of law that I ever like as soon as uh, as soon as I got the ability to do it, I took my DVDs and ripped them all onto my computer so that I have the entire series on MP4. I would not admit that in a court of law. You, but you are allowed to do that. It's called archiving. Yeah, I've never given them to anybody. They're right. just as on long my as you computer. You don't distribute them. You can do that. So I've got Babylon Five on DVD, on iTunes, and on uh, allegedly on a hard drive over here. <laughs> and here's the awesome thing about having it on the hard drive: it plays through Plex, which lets you take screenshots. Nice. Apple, Netflix, none of those will let you take screenshots. HBO wouldn't nope. let you take screenshots. But I just pull it up on Plex on my iPad. And I can just screenshot away all day long. It's so nice. That's where I've gotten some of our um, graphics for our podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very all cool. right. So shall we move into 413? Let's. I don't have a ton to say about this episode, I don't think. But we've already talked either. for 20 minutes about other stuff, so that's okay. Right. All right. It's your turn to do the summary, I think. That's true. It is. Let me see what I got. I wrote something down here. <laughs> I came up with. Oh, dang, on it. Here we go. So Delenn uh, arranges a meeting with Naroon yep. to discuss the uh, the civil war that's currently going on on their planet. Uh, apparently, uh, the the capital city is is burning. So she meets with Naroon in a uh, on her ship to discuss how they could how her and the warrior cast could take care of this. Notably missing was the worker cast, and also yes. Sheridan is working with or trying to manipulate the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to um, agree to let the White Star Fleet patrol their borders. That's so good, yeah. So there's there's two relatively good... Um, there's an A there's an A plot and an A- plot, not a, not a B plot. Right. But we got a little Londo. We didn't get any Jakar, Again. which is always kind of a... De- yeah, we haven't had Jakar in a while, have we? Yep. He's been kind of AWOL. And we didn't get any Veer. This was a... Uh, this was a very Delenn and Lanier heavy episode. It was. And next episode will be like this too. Yeah. And and, and on and off for a while here, as we right. as we know. So Alright. So you wanna guess what the P five rating? Again, I always say, for those that don't know, when the show originally aired, the Lurker's Guide website polled thousands of fans immediately after the episode aired on you know, the various um, syndication channels it was on back then. On a scale of zero to ten, and then they averaged out the what they call the P five rating. Should be the P ten rating. I don't know what P five, but I guess this B five is. Probably, I don't know. Anyway, right. And we, Andy and I, have been consistently surprised at how high the P five ratings have been for episodes that we don't rate as highly. So that being said, Andy, how did you? What do you guess the P five rating was this week? Going based on the history you just discussed, I'm going to say that this was rated in eight point four. Eight point three three. <laughs> you have you have cracked the code, man. You have cracked the code and deciphered how to get into this thing now. That is awesome. You are off by 0.07. That's crazy. Seven hundredths <laughs> of a point is how far off you were. That's amazing. You know, I, they couldn't call it the P10 rating because P10 was the, the, 
original <laughs> network it aired on. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. P10, yeah. It's also like a really good telepath, right? This is also true. Wow. There's all kind of stuff going on here. Wow, I didn't think of that. But, yeah, you're right. It was the Paramount something entertainment network. Yeah. It was, their, it was that, Paramount. That was like the, the studio that, that put it together. Yeah. So. Was it, Param- was it Paramount? Was what the P? I'm not sure what it stood for. I just remember. Prime, no, it's Primetime. It's Primetime Entertainment prime Network. Primetime Entertainment Network. Yeah. He took, yeah it to prime, the... he took it to Paramount, and they passed on it, and then made Deep Space Nine, which is a whole other story we've talked right, about. Right, right. All right. All right. Production number 413 originally aired May 12, 1997. I love the original air week because it makes me think back. To where was I? What was I doing? This is still back when I lived in Atlanta. May 12, 1997. Uh, written by JMS, of course. Directed by good old Mike Vehar. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they brought in a big gun for this one, which is interesting, because it didn't feel like... This felt like a sort of a transitional episode, like it's moving us towards something, right? I, I feel the ground speeding up under our feet just a little bit with this episode. Do you? Right. I, I agree, and Just like I said, bit. it 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 pairs nicely with the next episode where where more happens. Yeah, yeah. So notable guest stars this week: John Vickery as Neroon. Yep. And Ron Campbell as the Drazi ambassador. And I love I always love the Drazi, the main Drazi guys, because they it's usually oh what's his name? I'm not gonna be able to remember his name now. But there's that one guy that Strauss, Kim Strauss. Right. It's usually Kim Strauss, but it's like when Kim Strauss is not available or they want to use somebody else for the Drazi, uh, they they find somebody that can really enunciate. The, the Drazi are just so – they have such a personality. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't want to hang out with the Drazi because you'd end up in a bar fight 100%, right? <laughs> but I just love the way they talk, right? They're such smart alecks and they're so belligerent. It's just great. Yeah. And that. you mentioned the, the the enunciation. I think a lot of that has to do with the makeup they're wearing because yeah. they have to really work their jaws to make that their the, the makeup around their mouths even move. Otherwise, they, they look like ventriloquists. Yeah, that's right. So Kim Strauss ends up saying everything like, "We are drazy. We are not sure. We may not kill you." You know, the, everything he says is like over like that. But it's right. great. It gives them a personality. I like it very much. Yeah. Uh, there's another alien race I'm going to talk about a little bit tonight that, that this episode really kind of pushed to the forefront. I would argue for one of the, maybe not the first time, but one of the first times. And they're going to, they've been with us a little bit and they're going to be with us more. Um, all right. So random factoids and notes. What do you got? The only one that I, that I came up with was the, uh, they had a Jeffrey's tube in this episode. And I love that. <laughs> I mean, they even showed it from the same camera angle and everything. It was, it was perfect. I didn't think about that. That's true. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's funny. For those, for those of you who don't know what, what I'm talking about, it's when Lanier is climbing into the, the shaft, the, the maintenance shaft to, to get the, the sabotage bomb, um, out of there. So it doesn't go off. That was a scene. I mean, almost identical to many scenes in the, the original Star Trek series where they had to climb into a similar shaft and they called it the Jeffrey's tube. So yeah. After one of the designers of the show, right? Right. Right. But I thought that was cool. I mean, it was, a, it was a classic bit of sci-fi t- TV, sci-fi lore that, that they worked in there. I thought that was fun. That was. Yeah. All right. Random factoids notes. Um, there's, I have I have like three things here that all go together, and these are observations I made. Andy, I teach a course on religion, 
multiple times a semester. And the, when I teach it in person, we all watch over a period of like three or four class periods as part of the, part of the class period. We watch the movie Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And this, I hadn't thought of it this way before, ever. But this episode really leans on the idea that Delenn is Gandhi. Hmm. And here's how. So they're in the scene where Delenn has, uh, all right, let me, let me, because I have a question about it too. So when the, when the, when Delenn's White Star docks with the big Minbari battleship, okay? Yep. And it's not clear which ship they're on when they encounter each other. But the 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 warrior cast guys are all standing there like a like an offensive line, right? In right. front of in front of one hallway, one direction. And the religious people who are not doing the same thing, obviously, but they're also kind of being belligerent, are opposite. And then Delenn comes through her crowd, goes up to the warrior crowd speaks to Nehrun, who's back like the tailback, right, in this formation right. that we're running here. Yep. And and they let her through, and she leads Nehrun back away in the direction he's clearly come from. So my first question is, where are they going? Which ship are they on? Is she taking him further back into his own ship? I don't think... I, I think that that big ship that we saw was the ship that was being flown by the the religious cast and he just showed up in like a like when he was leaving he kind of showed up in a little shuttle shuttle craft with his with his stragglers uh, or with his, I, his I guess entourage. i guess i've always seen this big warship and then the and then the warrior caster there and i've always assumed of course well that's they all yeah no that's their ship i think i think he came onto that big ship and i think that's part of the the uh the religious cast's fleet well, then where did all the other warriors come from? I think they were with him on that little shuttle ship that he left in the end. I, I don't know. I could be mistaken. It's but just, I don't we, think it's that just was, confusing. I don't think that was his ship. Because okay. they were on a pretty big ship. I don't know. Because the interior of the, the White Star is it's like it's like the, the, the TARDIS or something. You know, it, it is. It could be huge inside or it could be tiny inside. You never really know. Yes. So it's really yes. hard to say from the sets what ship they were on. But... I want to say that they were on the um, the uh, the uh, religious cast ship. I don't think that the, the wear cast had a warship there. Okay, I'll have to rewatch that again to see to I, see what they say. It's just so confusing to me. And see, here's the problem: because it's not clear who's on which ship and which ship belongs to who and all that. Because that's not clear, it's not clear where Delin is taking Nerun. Now, again, if you're a listener, if you're listening to this right now, and you're like, "Yes, it's very clear." Good. That means it worked for you, but it did not work for me. Okay, it just didn't. And so I'm confused. I don't know what ship they're on. I don't know where she was taking him. I don't know whether they went further into the big ship. They were in the White Star. None of that was clear to me. Okay, but in any case, when she takes him, Lanier starts to go the opposite way through the religious cast, like street gang is what they look like, right? All hanging out there right. in the corner. And they stop him and say there's a rumor going around that she and the religious caste leaders will give in and let the military, the warrior caste, take over. And, and gosh, I used voice to text for that, and it says they'll let the military or warrior cats take over. <laughs> so you can do your own quick mental fanfic here where right. the military warrior cats take over the Minbari. There you go. Run with it. Uh, Jennifer Stolzer could do a great comic book out of that. I guarantee right, you. Right, right. All right. 
So, but this reminded me very much of what happened with Gandhi, right? When Gandhi was, was older and India in 1947 was getting independence, Gandhi was working with the Pakistanis, which were going to be the Pakistanis, right? The Muslims. He was working with them right. and with the Hindus. He was trying to create one united India, like Delin's trying to create one Minbar, but a civil war was breaking out. And what is Delin saying throughout this episode? No violence, nonviolence, just like yeah. Gandhi. And and trying to bring them together. And what were people saying about Gandhi? He's going to give too much of the Hindu stuff away to the Muslims. He's going to give too much of India to the Pakistanis, is basically what it was. And that's exactly what happens here. And guess what? It wasn't a Muslim or a Pakistani that killed Mahatma Gandhi. It was a Hindu. Right. And it wasn't the warrior caste that tried to kill Delenn. It was... It was- it was the religious cast. Yes, yeah. you see, it's amazing the parallels there. Unless I think maybe JMS. There's another question. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask him this one because I mean, you know, it's like if I ask JMS that question, like, were you influenced by the Gandhi plot or the real life story of Gandhi and how you did the, the Mimbari Civil War and, and Delenn? There's three things he could say. One is yes. One is. I never thought about it that way. Clearly, I'm much smarter than I thought I was, which is an answer he has given before for a question like that. Yes, he has. Or three, go F yourself. <laughs> so it could be any one of those three in equal portions, and I am i don't know if I really want to risk asking him that. I'll let somebody right. else ask him. But it does seem awfully similar, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I have seen some discussion from JMS on this particular episode where he was comparing it to the uh, – um, uh, civil war in Mia Ferland's home country, yes. Yugoslavia, which was going yes. through a horrible civil war because of the the um, I forget all the participants, the Serbs, the Cro- the Croats, and the the Muslims. Yeah, Bosnia, um, the Bosnian, the Bosnian Muslims, the, yeah. the Bosnian Muslims. Yeah, Mia Mia Ferland even mentioned that when she was talking about Minbar and how she walked through the streets when she was younger and how it was hurting her so bad to watch it burn. She was picturing Sarajevo, mm-hmm. where you know she didn't she she wasn't born there, but she basically grew up there and worked a lot there. You know that's where the the basically their their film industry was, and it was her home city. And she saw that destroyed during the Civil War, and she was she said it was very emotional for her to 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 uh, say those lines to to speak that monologue. I've got something to say about that coming up a little bit later too. Absolutely. Um, well, anyway, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. A few other, a few other notes. Um, so the the race I was speaking of that kind of emerges again. They briefly emerged during the Shadow War and then kind of disappeared for a while. But it's the Brakiri, right? The yeah. Brakiri are nowhere to be seen the first two or three seasons of this show. But by the time of season four, they really become important. I would argue by the end of the series, the Brakiri are as important as the Drazi, really, among yes. the non, among the non-aligned. They become a big deal. Yep. And so, I I thought it was kind of neat that we saw a bald Brakiri. Oh, yeah. Sitting with at the at the table because I always thought that they all had that goofy hairstyle, but I yeah. I guess I guess they don't because there was a bald guy sitting there. Yeah, they they kind of look like Kardashians or something. Not they Kardashians, do. right? <laughs> That's a whole other show. Whole other show. Uh, yes. Um, a few other notes. Let's see. Um, yeah, we know the League of Non-Aligned Worlds has agreed to give the White Star Fleet authority to operate as a police force. Civil War's broken out in the Minbari capital city, which has a name, and I can't think of the name of it. I can't either. It's like Curzon or something like that. Yeah, they kept throughout this episode, they kept calling it the capital. But it's it's got a name. 
The problem is I named my version of that in in my novel series, in my superhero novel, in the Sentinel series. I named I named the planet and the the capital and everything, and those get those come to my mind now instead of the Mimbari, so I can't think of it. <laughs> um, let's see. Three quarters of President Clark's cabinet resigned in protest when when he put out his martial law decree. And you know, I, I actually called up President Clark and asked him <laughs> if he had any if he had any comment about this. And here's what he told me back, Andy. Well, I'm not a crook. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he would say that. He then said something about having to go feed checkers. <laughs> and get his wife a nice cloth coat. So that's the last I heard. He just said, well, I'm not a crook. There you go. That's it. Um, I love my soundboard. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, this was pointed out on Lurker's Guide that during the conversation between Londo and the Dra- and the Drazi ambassador, uh, the only time you see Londo, there's two, picture- two pictures of him on the screen, either a reflection in a mirror or his portrait on the wall to kind of show he's being duplicitous. I thought that was interesting because I didn't oh, notice that when I watched it. I didn't either. Yeah, so there you go. Um, I, I, I will – let me just interject real here, yeah. real quick here. The capital city of Minbar is Yedor Taz, Tuzanor. Who is that? I can't pronounce. That's the capital city of Minbar. Tuzanor, yeah, Tuzanor, that's right. Yeah, Ye- Tuz- Yedor Tuzanor. Okay, well, t- that must be City of or something because Tuzanor's right. name I remember seeing in the books. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Good, de- good deal. Where would you find that? I found that on Google. Ah, good deal. All right. Uh, I've got the Babylon 5 encyclopedia, both volumes upstairs. I, I guess I could have looked it up, but that would require me climbing two flights of stairs in the middle of the show. Right. Um, this was interesting. During atonement, Delenn said that the Gray Council said to the Gray Council that mysteries are a gift from the universe and shouldn't be ignored. And in this episode, Nerun says he loves a good mystery. So yeah. I guess there's a thing about mysteries in the, and I believe Sheridan has said something similar to that before too. So, oh yeah, he he was all about conspiracy theories at yeah. one point. And, he collects yeah. them. You can see the hand of the great maker at work here. Right. Yeah. This <laughs> is this is the downside of having the same person write every episode. Almost is that you start getting a little duplication, but that's okay. Um, I mean, a- after after a fashion. After yeah, oh god. <laughs> That was stated four times in this episode. Oh I was counting because after the first time she said, that, I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to have to track this for Van. <laughs> yep. Oh, I noticed it. The, the The one thing, though, is that in every other episode where they where they say that line, in every other episode, he throws it in as many times as he wants to, but it never is self-referential. But in this one, when he says it to her at the end, it's, it's, a, it's a reference back to how she right. said it to him. Right. So I'll let the fourth one slide. <laughs> but it's the first three that bothers me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That they, okay. So there you go. Yeah. After fashion. Oh, my God. Um, oh, somebody pointed out that Ivanova is the only person that really told, tells the truth in this episode. Everybody else kind of weasels around one way or another. And the funny thing is she tells the truth in the, in the process of basically trying to fool somebody, even though she right. doesn't want to. She's kind of being coerced by Sheridan. But, right. Well, but in her defense, she had no idea why she was told to tell that. Right. But I, but I, just, well, I love the argument that she says, I don't want to lie. And he's like, well, nothing happened there, so you're not lying. And she's like, okay. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Which is true. It is very true. Right. So she was not telling a lie. 
It's true. This is Somebody true. Said, yeah. yeah. Somebody said that that you can lie. That there. Oh, what was it? There are more secrets in what you don't say than in what you say. Yeah. yeah. So some something to that effect. I forget the exact quote. Uh, let's see. Last one before I get to unanswered questions. Ivanova tells Sheridan that Marcus is waiting on Channel Four, which is a reference to the fact that the BB that that in Britain they showed Babylon Five on Channel Four. Hmm. I didn't so that, know that. Yeah, I didn't either. There you go. All right. Here's just three unanswered questions. My big unanswered question is what happened to the gas bomb after Lanier pulled it out? Because it's like it disappeared and nobody knew about it, and everybody bought his story. <laughs> Well, if he'd been lying there with a destruct device in his hand that smelled of poison gas, wouldn't you kind of suspect somebody poisoned him? Well, it was not poison gas. I mean, it was poisonous, but it was fuel. Yeah. <clears throat> it was fuel for their their ship. So they would, and he even said that he smelled a fuel leak in the maintenance tube, and he turned he he turned off the valve and saved the ship. So I don't think that I, I think that the actual little bomb that that the war or that the religious cast crafted i think they just kind of made it disappear because they're the ones that found him with it that's so they were true. just they, they they disposed of the evidence and a shifty lot they were my goodness weren't they yeah what kind what kind i mean man i i guess i don't know i guess religious people on earth aren't much better i gotta tell you i know that i'm told to like the religious cast on this show and, and the warrior cast are kind of ignorant jerks but honestly there's a lot more there's a lot to like about some of the religious i mean Nerun, for all of his whatever he's not a bad he, he he's he's likable in a in a bad guy way he i know he's kind of the heavy but he's not a bad guy he's just he's doing his thing the the worst you can really say about the the, the warrior cast to me right now the worst you can say about him is they're stubborn okay they're, mili- they're warrior cast. What else you can expect, right? To be super liberal, open-minded? No, they're warrior cast. So they're stubborn, and they didn't really help out in the shadow war because they were so stubborn. They were just so sure they were right that they said, right. you know, you go, you know, and that's on them for sure. But other than that, I mean, you know, they've been mad for twenty years or however long that they surrendered. That the religious cast made them surrender at the battle of the battle line. Can you blame them? Right. Because they no. were kept in the dark about it, they were just told reasons. Yeah, I mean, Nairun, it, it is not an evil person by any means. He's, I mean, he's doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Yeah, you know. Well, and Delin he, acknowledges that. Right. Absolutely. And I found it extremely interesting watching it this time that the Minbari leadership is based on, or their whole civilization is three castes, right? Yes, yes. You didn't see yes. a single worker this entire Civil War plotline. No workers. Well, they were hardly ever mentioned before this either, remember? It's always right. been kind of religious versus warrior. Right. They've hardly ever. I don't, I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if JMS is like, well, they're just like the common man. And th- these two are the political forces going back, which is basically what it is in, in the real world, right? It's always the religious people and the the, the military people that are guiding big decisions like that and the the worker cast is just like the average people so maybe that's an intentional maybe he's making some sort of statement i don't know yeah i don't know well you and i have the benefit of hindsight of knowing how this all works out true and and so things are going to happen that will matter to all that it's going somewhere 
is what I'll say. Yeah. So, yeah, let's don't just assume that it's never going to be addressed. But it is weird that it hardly ever has come up before now. Right. I mean, the, I can't even ever remember seeing an actual no. worker cast other than the, the ones that were on the Great Council, and you didn't even really see them. They didn't have a sign on or anything. I'm the worker guy, right. Right, was, exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So that was my second unanswered question is what happened to the worker cast? Where, where, which side have they taken? What's, where are they gone? And then my third unanswered question is um, if the non-aligned worlds, and this takes us over into spoiler space, but I don't know if it's worth talking about over there. Um, if the non-aligned worlds are now like this tight with Sheridan and the white Starfleet, if something should happen with Earth and President Clark, will they be expected to go attack Earth and would that not play directly into President Clark's hands? Oh, golly, that is a good question. I mean, is this this pact that they came up with in, at the end there, was, is it like a NATO-type thing where if you right. attack us, you attack all of us? Right. Or are, are the non-aligned worlds just more interested in, in more galactic-level threats? Because any, anything on Earth would not be a, a threat from without, but a threat from within, so that would be for the Earth people to deal with. And I just keep thinking over and over, if Sheridan leads an, uh, a, a, an alien coalition against Earth the way he did against the Shadows, <clears throat> Clark's just going to go, see? Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Well, anyway, there was my unanswered questions. They're unanswered for a reason because we don't know the answers. <laughs> and finally, JMS speaks. He has a few things this time. Um, he enjoy, He said he enjoyed making Sheridan being the manipulative one for a change and the smart one yeah. for a change instead of just being like usually Londo or the other usual suspects. It made for a fun and nifty change of pace. And he said that Mira, I like when he mentions Mira because that's my daughter's name. He, brought, he said that Mira brought a lot of truth to this episode and will bring even more in next week. And that's what you were referring to. And I'm again, I'm going to have more to say about that still. This wasn't what I was referring to. Um, Ivanova, yeah, Claudia was using a teleprompter to make it look like she was a news reader, so she wasn't. Right, I, th- I thought that was a neat little tidbit. Mm-hmm. She specifically did not memorize those lines. She wanted to make it sound as much like a, an actual newscaster as she could. That was pretty good, yeah. And yep. and having worked with a newscast, they, they've had multiple news people on that show, everybody mm-hmm. from Talia in real life to the people that play the various ISN right. news people, a bunch of them, yeah. Um Enjoy the happy-go-lucky Sheridan. It's the last you'll see of him for a long time. Wow. Yes. Yes. Mm, 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 mm. Don't know what that means and not going to say. Um, somebody asked JMS, Lanier seems to be doing more peacemaking than Delenn. Is he the real bridge between races? Why does the religious cast follow Delenn? And JMS says, no, I wouldn't say Lanier is a bridge in any sense along those lines. Delenn, you must understand, this is a good bit here, Andy. Delenn, you must understand, is a true seeker. Remember that the, mm-hmm. that the Minbari love this, the true seeker? What was it, Aldous Gaik? Yes. Uh, David Warner was the true yep. seeker? Yep. Looking for uh, the Holy Grail. Yeah. Delenn is a true seeker, and among the religious cast, there isn't much more admirable than that. Combined with the fact that she did fulfill prophecy, she was the chosen of Dukat, she did help in the Shadow War, yeah, she's had some problems here and there, but what important leader doesn't? Any one of those items would be a sufficient crown on a lifetime of achievement. The cumulative effect is quite daunting and impressive. Yep. So she's a big deal. She's kind of she a, big a big deal. deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, I forgot that this was the first. Was this the first episode where uh, Rebo and Zudi are referenced? Yes. Yes, it is. I really wanted that Zoot. to be a Larry Dottilio thing that popped up back in season yeah. two. No. Zoot, uh, zoot. Zoot, zoot. I, I mean, I understand JMS's point that what's funny changes generationally and all, and what's funny in the 23rd century here is different from what we will think is funny. I just can't. I, you know, I've heard jokes from 200 years ago, and they're funny. How is Zoot Zoot funny? How is that? I'm with Londo. I don't, I don't know. It, yeah, it, I, it, that was not a highlight. Of, that was not the high point of this episode for me. I, I'll tell you, that did not make my category. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, uh, Zooty, Zoot Zoot. I, I don't get it. Um it's a uh, contextual thing. You had you had to see the actual skit I, to really get it. In holographic, all of its holographic glory too. Apparently, um, and oh, and somebody asked, did did Londo see an Earth sitcom? How did he see it? If the broadcasts are being jammed, and JMS said, easy. The incident Londo is mentioning happened prior to the blackout. He never said it just happened. Just it was the last time Rebo and Zudi did their routine. Everybody was doing it. And then somebody at this is the last one. Were Rebo and Zudi references to real people? No, not intended as tributes to anyone. Just a cool sounding pair of names, but also annoying sounding. And I have to go with the latter there. I'm not a big it, Rebo it, and Zudi fan. I'm not either. That's uh, yeah. That's one of those things that that it it may have seemed really funny on paper, or really good on paper, <laughs> and it just didn't just didn't translate well. It's it's weird that the same person that gives us the glory that is Zathras. Also gives right. us the horror that is Rebo and Zudi. I mean, the yes. same guy. How can the same guy give us a? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, to be fair, the glory that is Zathras also has Tim Choate performing. This is true. That that had everything to do with the performance. Good material, good performance. Yeah. 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 All can right. You imagine I'm re- if if uh, if the uh, Ari Ben Zane actor was oh, Zathras. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Let, I, we haven't touched on that in a while, and I'm, I'm content to let sleeping uh, Ari Benzane's lie. Oh no! Yikes! Now, I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't. My brain cannot go down that rabbit hole. I know. I'm, I'm playing, playing those scenes in my head right now with that actor. I'm, and I'm like, that, that's just not even. That's it, not even good. It's like the story that you're alluding to is a swimming pool in my head, and I keep sticking a mental toe in and going, nip, not getting in that. Nope, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not prudent. All right, let's get into the categories a little bit here. What was your high point of this episode? High point for me was uh, um, Nehrun's, hmm. when he turned, well, when he kind of turned to the, the light, and I, I think it, he said, it is right we are here together, you know. When, mm. when when he, I mean, before the end, you know, before we saw what he did in the end, when he finally, you know, came around and and respected the, I think it was the second time that they got together to talk. Mm-hmm. When when they when they respected each other, mm-hmm. and 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 decided that they could find possibly some common ground to to work with. I thought that was a really cool moment for for the episode and for the Minbari for the storyline. Do we believe how to put this? Don't spoil anything. No, no, no. Which 
right, again, because when we talk about stuff in this way, we're only talking about where we are right now. We're not using our existing knowledge. We're like, if it was back in 1997, what were we thinking or what would we be thinking? Okay. Exactly. So I've, I've just laid down the ground rules that we've, we've, we've always used. Okay. Right. Are we, but which Nehrun do we believe now? The one that was talking to Delenn or the one that was on the ship at the end? And, and that's hard. I mean. Triple, triple agent Nehrun or right. sincere seeming Nehrun. Right. And that, that's something that we'll have to discuss in spoilers. Yeah. Well, I, again, because I'm talking purely hypothetically and not bringing any right. future knowledge purely, into my evaluation. Purely, hypo, purely hypothetical. From, from um, 1997. Yeah. That. That last scene when he, you know, was reporting back to the rest of the wearer cast when he was leaving on that ship, that made my low point because. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That, let was, me, a, that was a hard scene. All right. Let me put it to you this way. And again, I'm not giving anything away from the future because I'm not, I've sealed that part of my brain off for temporarily. Okay. I'm watching this in 1997 and I'm like, oh my gosh, triple yeah. agent trade, you dirty rat. Exactly. I watch this. I watch the same scene now, again, not not influenced at all by anything I know is coming up because it's been a while. Okay, mm-hmm. so not influenced by what's coming up, just based on what I'm seeing on the screen today when I watched it this afternoon. And when I watch it today, I watch John Vickery's performance with Delenn, where he's where his 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 reaction is one of kind of mild surprise where he's where he basically I'm going to paraphrase I'm going to vastly paraphrase he says basically you're not as bad as I thought you were and in fact right. you might be pretty good all this time I've assumed that your motives were bad and now I'm beginning to realize your motives are actually good and ones I can go along with all right he says all this to Delenn on the episode that that we watched this week he says it to her with a not, it didn't seem like artifice, it seemed like sincerity. Okay. Right. Now, the scene at the end where he's on the ship and he talks to Shakiri. And by the way, every time he says Shakiri, I think of the dancing Hispanic lady. <laughs> the lady it, with the hips. The hips. It dry, I, I'm like, why is he calling her? What has she got to do with this, Nerun? Come on. Come on, Nehrun. Get your mind out of the off the hips. All right, anyway. That would be Shakira. Shakira, right. Okay. Yeah. There's a Shakiri for something else, and it's a weird name for a, the boss. But anyway. All right, so now, again, let me restate. It's my fault. Let me restate. When he's with Delenn, he seems sincere. Could be a very good actor doing a very good job of a Minbari being a very good actor, if you followed me through those turns, <laughs> right. right? Okay. Could be that. Right. And you got Mike Vehar directing. So you got a director that knows how to get the best out of these people and knows what he's doing with the script, right? So if this was some unknown director, I would be like, he just told John Vickery the wrong thing or, you know, just play this sincere or whatever, you know. But my, I trust Mike Vehar to get this right. So if 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 Nerun is being sincere to Delenn there, my reaction is Nerun is being sincere to Delenn. It's right. not a screw up in direction. It's not a. It's not the actor misreading the scene and the director not knowing better than to fix it. It's it's supposed. That's how it was supposed to be. Okay, you follow me? That's how it was yep. supposed to be. Now Nerun on the ship calls Shakiri and leaves in the message, and and. Again, our first blush on that is, oh my gosh, triple agent. 
But if you watch it carefully, when he calls Nerun and say, I mean, when Nerun calls Shakiri and says that, he's saying the things that he thinks Shakiri wants to hear, but he doesn't, he seems kind of half hearted, right? He's not like, all right, here's how it would play out exaggerated if he were sincere to me. He'd be like, well, Shakiri. I got just what we wanted. Oh, I got all the information. I know what's up. We are ready to roll. <laughs> right? Instead, he was kind of, and again, I'm paraphrasing wildly, but when he called up Shakiri and sent that message, he was kind of like, I, I have what we needed. I got the information. I know what their plans are. But there was a lot of dot, dot, dots and hesitation. And I read it as he was expected to say those things and he was following his his orders, it didn't seem to me like his heart was in it like it should have been. It came across to me when I first saw this, even when I watched it this time, that Nehrun isn't the type of character to, to he, like I said earlier, he's not evil. He's not going to be the, the mustache twirling, ha ha ha, we got him now, like Bester is. I mean, that that's, <laughs> a, that's a delivery that we would get from yes. Bester. Oh, Bester, but that's right. It, instead, he came across as just a cold-blooded military person who had just done the the mission and he was reporting back that, that, that okay. so that's how it came across to me so it that came across to me as more sincere than what he was saying to Dylan earlier because we know at his heart he's a military cast person and he you know earlier you know he, that was him acting soft where this is him acting like the cold-blooded military cast okay. person that was that had gone in and, and completed the mission that's perfectly fair I have no, I take no issue with you on that. I will just say I read it the opposite. Yep, and that's fair too. And and I mean, I'm trying really hard to not let what I know later happen influence that. So, right. And I and I and I can't say. All right, we'll leave it. We'll yep. leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But I am curious because we got some really smart listeners. Yes. And I'm curious how they read that. I'd I'd like I'd like to hear from our listeners, from our patrons. Um, how did how did Nerun strike you when he was talking to Lynn and then and then sending his report to Shakiri? Which one did he seem more sincere? And when I say sincere, I mean because again, it came across to me as he was surprised at himself when he was talking to Delin. And mm-hmm. then when he was talking to Shakiri, it came across to me as he was going to say these things anyway, but he was like almost like what am I doing now? I'm not entirely as sure as I was an hour ago. Well, I can give you an outsider's perspective because I was yes. watching it with my wife. Oh, good. Excellent. Yes. And when she saw that last scene, she she wasn't happy with Nehrun. She goes, oh, that B word. Yeah. Yeah. She says, I can't believe he's betraying her like that. Well, so, and that's how I read it the first time. Right. It was, it was this time that I saw some nuance. Gotcha. And maybe th- I'm imagining the nuance is what I'm saying, but I'm that's why right. I'm curious what other people think. Okay, I'm with you. All right, um, my high point of the episode was Sheridan maneuvering the entire non-aligned worlds into begging him to do yes. exactly what he wants him to do. <laughs> that to me was just such a slam dunk. I was yeah. with him at the beginning, just laughing like ah, ha, 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 you knuckleheads. Right, that was beautiful. And and honestly, he gives a great you know. Garibaldi would have loved this because it's such a master class in how to get the dictator to take over, take you over. Right. If he if he really was evil dictator Sheridan instead of smiling Johnny this episode, he'd be like in charge of half the galaxy now. Right, and you know it, 
that came across as a very first season um, Sinclair thing to do. Yes. Oh, now, yes. Sinclair, Sinclair would outfox his opponents. 100%. That's the way yeah, he used so. to. Yeah. That's 100% right. He would come up with some clever way to get everybody to do what he wanted. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the trouble for Sinclair was he also had to deal with Earth, and, and Sheridan right. can pretty much ignore them for the most part. Right, right. Um, and interestingly that um, he didn't have to use divide and conquer tactics the way the Shadows did, right? He was able to do yep. it by convincing them, even though he was tricking them, that it was in their best interest. So yeah. Right, he he got what he wanted by unifying them, by, yeah. by giving them a, a common enemy. Mm-hmm. So he, Very, he used, yeah. Very Flash Gordon. Right, exactly. That's the reference I always use for a sci-fi story where one person gets all the various groups to team up against the villain. Yep. Is the it's the Flash Gordon trope. Yeah, absolutely. Um what was your low point? Low point for me was we just talked about it was uh Nehrun's betrayal there at the very end. Yeah. That 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 just sucked. Um I had two. Mine was when Delenn says, I think of my beautiful city in flames. Yeah. And we'll hear that line again. Yep. And um, that, that, yeah, I had a note, exactly what you said, that, that Straczynski said he used her own experiences in the former Yugoslavia to, to help her play that, all these parts, yeah. all, this, all, these, all this portion of the series. Because um, she is kind of, was always considered the Meryl Streep of Yugoslavia, basically. Great, right. great actress. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Of, of Eastern Europe, they called her. The, the, the Meryl yeah. Streep of Eastern Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh, and then the other low point was the re- the reaction of the religious caste conspirators when Delenn starts pointing out just how dumb you'd have to be to do what they had just done. Right. <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty solid right there. They're all just like, yeah. "Oh crap!" What I, a bunch and, of idiots. And, uh, along that, I, I had a second one that I, I actually crossed out after Nehru's betrayal. I had one before that um, when Lanier said, "In her world, we are better than we are." Yes, I that was that was. Very dark. Mm-hmm. That's good. That the the, the the Minbari, at least the religious caste, is not all that uh, they believe that they are. And and they shouldn't be. I like that everybody's just mortal. You know, everybody's right. just right. people, good and bad. Yeah, so good. Absolutely. Uh, most Babylon Five scene. For me, the most Babylon Five scene was uh, when Sheridan agree finally agrees to to cave into the demands of the non-aligned worlds to send the White Star fleet. To yeah. all of their borders, I thought that was great. That I, I that that whole, yeah, the whole sequence, the the whole plot line was was just was brilliantly played out. I, I mean, he he overplayed it a little bit with the silliness, you know. But I, I thought that the it it was written for more comedy than what I think it should have been. I think it could have been more effective if if it were written a little bit more seriously. But I, I still like the plan, and I thought it was well it, well executed on Sheridan's part. Oh, the best part is when he sends Marcus to blow up rocks and then tells him to right. come back. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah, and how they, they completely bought into it. White stars do not blow up rocks. And they're like, <laughs> that's no, they exactly there what must they be an, an invisible enemy. <laughs> that, and that was my most Babylon 5 scene, was the invisible enemy. Yeah. I, I love the, well, and you know what? That, it's funny because I got a book right here behind me. I got a book right behind me called The Invisible Bridge by Ron Perlstein. And it quotes uh, Khrushchev of the Soviet Union as saying, when you want to take power, he said, invent an invisible chasm for your people and then sell them an invisible bridge. Yep. 
And that's basically what Sheridan did, right? He invented an invisible Absolutely. enemy and then sold them a sold them the, star, the white stars. Yep, that's so good. I thought, I thought it was great. Cru, uh, Str- Johnny, Johnny, smiling is, Johnny Khrushchev. Right, Straczynski is definitely a uh, a student of history. He knows his history oh, yeah. very very well. Well, yeah. Uh, let's see. Favorite character moment. Uh, favorite character moment was that first meeting between Delenn and Nerun when they when they uh, are first talking t- to each other and she gives them the compliment, you know, after a fashion and yeah, they, they both realize that they're not quite as, as bad as they seem. If that's the scene where Nerun admits to Delenn that he's starting to see why Ducat chose her. I think that was the second scene. Okay. That was my favorite character moment when he basically yeah, said, gotcha. cause I mean, the, that's the, the a, whole, yeah, their, their whole, interactions. Yes. Yeah. Their whole thing was great. I, I, I it, it could be seen as one long character moment yes. because it was, it was both of them coming to a realization that the other one, they both are want the same thing. Right. Cause again, yeah. Cause you know, we see, I've said before, we see Nerun as a heavy, whether he's bad or not, but right. this story could easily be told from a different viewpoint. And Delenn is totally the bad guy. Right, you know, if 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 the if Shakiri was writing this story, yep, then Delenn is this rebel that destroyed their government and went off and yep. took half their fleet away to fight some imaginary war to aggrandize herself, turned yep. herself into the enemy, married the enemy. Every every villain is the hero in his own in his own mind. Yeah, and and the hero right. becomes the villain by by right. kind of by transitive property there or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, but but I think I to me my my the thing I liked the best was when basically that compliment that Nerun is like I can kind of see why you're the chosen of Ducat now. I yeah. mean that's you know that's the highest compliment you could probably give somebody in in, in Barcelona. Right, and and yeah, Dylan even said that. Did you just compliment me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, funniest moment. Funny, yeah, <laughs> funniest moment for me was I I had that opening scene when they're all coming in for breakfast and Sheridan's just kind of leaning against the wall just. <laughs> Thinking wow. everything out and chuckling, I mean the the whole the whole plot line was written to be humorous, and some of the sometimes it came across as funny, other times it came across as just you know, like he was overreaching a little bit. Yeah, but uh, I, I guess that would be the funniest. There was a couple funny funny bits to it, but I, I think that was the funniest part. The to me the best part about that whole scene was that Zach was with him. He really has like meshed in with the command crew now. Right. Absolutely. There's only four people on that station as far as i know that have those black uniform and he's he's one of the four and he's now with he's hanging out with them now and that's pretty cool yeah that's yep there's four of them there's sheridan and ivanova zach and dr franklin yeah Yeah, you're right that's it and so he got remember we, we saw him get fitted for it yep in that memorable scene with the needle now i wonder if i wonder if garibaldi still has his Ah, that's a good question. Probably not. Probably on the show, it. I'm sure it's. I think we've talked about this before. On the show, I'm sure it's made out of some unstable molecules like the Fantastic Four, and it, can, <laughs> right. it never needs cleaning and never needs ironing or whatever. In real life, it's made out of gabardine wool and it's very hot and scratchy. Yeah. Because mine is made out of gabardine cotton, made by the same people, and it is hot and scratchy and it's cotton. So you could imagine what the wool would must be like. I, I yeah I I don't envy those people under those hot lights and all that stuff no thank you or here goes your second reference or wearing it to dragon con the first year i wore it to dragon con dragon con was held in the middle of july oh uh, downtown atlanta in july let me just tell you right now yeah i i, I yeah i i played right. a football game down there once and it was it was like swimming through water yes yep 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 
Um, my funniest moment was uh, Londo had two funny lines that I thought. One was when he was they were talking about things that were bad or whatever. He says, there's something called country and western. Yeah. It, was the, it was the Rebo and Zudi conversation. Yeah, he says, you have something called country and western. I was like, there you go. And then when he's talking to the Drazi ambassador, I just love that Londo starts just cracking on him to his face. Right. Beady little eyes and all that. Yeah, two tiny squinty little things. I don't know how they see out of them. The maker has gifted us with great big eyes and great big scanners and great big oh. <laughs> and he gestures to his chest. He because does. That's, that's where they keep their genitalia. Oh, gosh, Londo. Must you really, really? Okay, there you go. That was my funniest moment. All right. Uh, all right, here we go. Who won this episode? I say Sheridan. You know, I, I, I had Sheridan as the winner Right yeah. up until the very last scene when yeah. he's watching the show about Minbar and he doesn't know if his his wife is alive or dead. And um, have they gotten married yet? They Are have they not, but spoiler. Okay. I, I'm going to say, I think it's pretty... I said it before you did, so it's my fault, yeah. but I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. And I so I said... I, I, all right, look, there was an A plot and a B plot, although the B plot was pretty darn big. Okay. There's a winner for each. Sheridan won the B plot, and I think Nerun and the Warrior Cast won the A plot. For now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, who lost the episode? Well, I have you... the religious the religious cast. Lost yes, the I have them too. But here's my question for you: Did Lanier win or lose? That is a good question because there was that scene when when Delenn was talking about him and how important he was to her. Yeah. And you just got to kind of think what would happen if, you know, she didn't fall for Sheridan because she was talking like Lanier, like, you know, mm. she could have fallen in love with him and didn't. Well, that, okay. Yeah. Because Sheridan, Sheridan intercepted that. Spoiler space. Yeah. We're trampling all over the boundaries of spoiler space tonight, but we're we're good. I think we're safe. No, are we, though? I mean, she obviously ended up with Sheridan and... Yeah, we know that from time travel all the way back on your favorite right. episode. Back exactly. Back. Yeah. So, um, I, I, dude, won in the sense that he saved everybody, and they know it, which is the best right. part. Right. He dunked on him at the end, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna lie here and try not to die after saving you all from your own stupidity. You're welcome. No, no, no. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that was Lanier at the end, right? But Absolutely. and I don't, and he had every right. He had every right. But dude, they took out part of his lungs. Yeah, no, part of his lung. Oh, okay, well, because you know he's been Bari, so he only had one. No, I, I don't know what he. Well, how many that? What does that mean? Does that mean he's only got one? I don't know. Is it in his foot? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know anything about men. But ask Doctor Frank. Do I look like Stephen to you? No, I do, I do not. I don't know the things that he knows. So, um. Yeah, so I think that Lanier both w lost and won. Yeah. See, this is exactly what I meant when I told my wife. I told my wife the other day, I said that 2019 was such a great year, and I started listing all the great pop culture stuff of 2019, which I think is a pop culture year that will go down in history. There was so much great stuff. And she looked at me and says, that's the year you had cancer. And I said, and it's the year I had my successful surgery. Yes. So, go. see, that's like Lanier. Lanier won... But this is the year he took. But this is the episode that he took out his part of his lung, and it was successful, and he didn't die. Win, win, win. There you so go. It, so it all depends on how you look at it. Yep, it's all about perspective. It is. I like your attitude, Van. Yeah. Well, you know, 
didn't want to be a downer on my fun year. <laughs> to come up with something, but that's but it's the same kind of thing, right? Lanier can right. look at it as this is the incident where I lost part of my lung, or you can look at it as this is the this is the time when I had successful surgery to keep me from dying, right? So there you go, and and I saved everybody, those idiots in my cast. And I gotta say, other than Lanier, other than Lanier and Delenn, have we met a single religious cast Minbari that wasn't a dumbass? No, that's a technical term right there. Right, that that wasn't that wasn't a swear word. That was a technical term. That I mean, they went from you know it, hearing a rumor that she might surrender to all right, let's kill everybody. I mean, yeah, that including ourselves very quickly. I mean, that there was no let's talk to Delenn about no this. Let's kidding. wait and see. It was like okay, well, crap. Let's just all commit mass suicide and kill everybody. Then they yeah they they went from. We will gloriously kill ourselves in the service of our people to... <laughs> yep. That was the perfect sound effect for that last scene. That was great. It was. That was, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I had the religious cast lost, too, because they didn't get any smarter, and they didn't get... Right. They, basically, they, they won in spite of themselves in, in every right. effort, right? Okay, they had to be saved from themselves. Here we go. Everybody's favorite moment in the show where we give our rating. We don't, we don't do the P10 on a scale of 0 to 10. We go 0 to 5, but we include halves, so it might as well be 10. Right. If we, had, if we had to do over again, I'd have just done 10, but oh well. So, um, how do you rate... Rumors, bargains, windows, computers, <laughs> other items. I liked, and lies. I liked both of these plot lines. Um, I, yeah. I, I thought the the comedy was a little overdone in the the B or the A A two plot, however we yeah. want to call that one. But I, I think it was still it was still pretty cool. We got a lot of. I mean, again, I I love the whole uh, Minbari Civil War. I think I don't like the Civil War. I like the plot because it it, it really. Um, it, it gives depth to the Minbari race. So I, I really like that. But it, as a whole, I, I couldn't give it more than three stars. It, it just didn't seem like a, a, a anything more than that. I mean, it just, which is surprising because we've had a, a run now of season four episodes that has just been three star, three star, three star, three star. So um, I wanted to give it higher, but I, I just couldn't. It wasn't that spectacular. Like, no. bang, pow. And, uh, we're getting a lot of really cool information, a lot of really cool stuff, but it's being spread out over some fairly mediocre episodes. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I I wrestled with this one. I went back and forth between two and a half and three, mm-hmm. and ultimately I decided on two point five, which is not bad. Right. But it is oh oh sure when you give a, an episode two point five is not bad. I give an episode three stars, and I'm the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Oh, you're killing me. Oh. This is true. Don't make me push this button when I'm referring to you, Andy. My, my brother is possessed by the devil and must be <laughs> examined. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I just, I felt like both of the plots were not bad. They just weren't particularly great. And, and you know, the, the whole thing about the Delenn plot is that it's clearly going somewhere, but it's not there yet. So it's hard to give a big resounding approval to, like, 
part right. two of a ten part ladder, you know, of climbing the ladder. Right. The second rung on that ladder was great, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right. And I think that is why we view season four so highly, yet we're rating all these episodes that mm-hmm. is in the middle of the ground. Because if you look at the whole arcs of everything that they give us, man, that was some great stuff. But it was just sprinkled in with yeah. some not so great stuff. I would be interested in averaging when we're done with season four, taking an average of all of our ratings for season three and all of our ratings for season four, because right now three is killing four in the middle. But when you, uh, yes. but if you added in what we rated the beginning of this season, that might skew it back the other way, I, or at least tie it up. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I have all of our, or at least all of my ratings written okay. down going all the way back. So I, I, I can give you the average of mine for both. Not right now, but right. next episode I can do Okay. That. If you get a chance, don't don't go out of your yeah. way. But that's that'd be cool. I am kind of curious. Um, all right. So let me thank the patrons real quick. Yeah, so you gave it a 3. I gave it a 2.5. That's cool. Um, we're usually within about a point of each other. That's pretty uh, right. pretty pretty straight. Um, let me thank our patrons, and they have a few things to say. But I have to point out, if you go to www.b5review.com, then you can join the ranks and help us keep the show going. And you can leave questions and comments on the Patreon page that I read in the, at the end of every episode. We have to thank our great, great, great supporters, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Ben Zane. I am missing my category, mister. Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, I'm all caught up, so now I have to wait for new episodes, Rose. <laughs> oh, that's right. Ben, ben came in late and has been, like, binging to catch right. up with us. That's cool. Debbie, no spoilers, Norris. Oh, Debbie, you're probably mad at us after this episode. Dragon Con Delin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jalja, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Middle Age Geek Tim, Pete, the real reason Van avoids saying Dragon Con Furman. Steve Palmer says, welcome back, guys. Andy has suffered enough regarding his war without end rating. <laughs> no, never. We will never let him Thank hear the you. end of it. I, I want that when, when Andy comes to Dragon Con and walks past, when, 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 when he and I walk past some Babylon 5 fans, they will point at Andy and say, there they are. I'll the shame on their country. There it is. Yep, that's what I want. All right, I just don't uh, want to get booed by people. <laughs> I get booed. Stu Parker, the Geek Boy, Una Vez and Una Luna Azul, Weird Al Bester. I love Weird Al Bester. That's the greatest name. Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Ice Cream Clone with Boba Fett Head, and Michael Halbrook. Thank you all so, so, so very much. And here are a few things the patrons had to say. And as always, I'll just zip along through them. And if I... If I miss anything that you sent in, it's because uh, I thought I used it on the previous episode. So let's see. Oh, um, oh <laughs> Colonel Dad says, I always thought her name was Stephanie Zimbalist Jr. That's so It took me a minute because he was always Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. So his daughter must right. be Stephanie Zimbalist Jr. <laughs> I love that. It, you know, he's right because it never sounded right just to say Stephanie Zimbalist. You just expect the junior. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Thank you, Colonel Dad. That's really good. That's uh, he says, Van, when you again, I'm reading these for the first time, so if we if we get into hardcore pornography or cursing, I'm just going to stumble into it and be very embarrassed. 
Colonel Dad also says, Van, when you talked about your anthology story, I was expecting you would say you wanted to write a Zathras background story a st- or a story of his adventures after going back a thousand years in the B4 station, but I repeat myself. Ah, it's good. Okay. Uh, that was interesting. I, you know, I have written Babylon 5 fan fiction in my life, just not in the last eh, 20 years. Um, it is on the web, though. Um, I'll have to find a way to post a link. Uh, he, he also says on the, on the Garibaldi storyline, with Mr. Morden busy being a warning to the next ten generations, <laughs> maybe the story arc needed a character with a secret to keep us all guessing as to what he's up to. What will happen next? And asking whose side is he on? He's the perfect foil to Mr. Straight Shooter John Sheridan. I also thought about how much deeper the meaning of the title of episode 402, Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi, is. Yeah, because we think about that title as like, where did he go? Right. But now we look at whatever happened to him as, what the heck happened to him? Right. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Colonel Dad is just dunking on us. He's just throwing up, (laughs) as my daughter would say, who's 15, she's throwing up W's here. Well, I, you know, I will admit, Van, that that we set a pretty low bar. So I mean, we're <laughs> we're is, not exactly Shaquille O'Neal out there. We, we can get this is true. Pretty easily. <laughs> yes, I've used that three times now. That's crazy. Uh, Debbie, no spoilers. Nora says, "Gee, Andy, bagging on the band geeks. That hurts." I, this is what's funny. We go two weeks and I don't remember things. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, do you know how many of us band geeks are also sci-fi nerds? Just kidding. As a second-generation band geek who married a band geek and gave birth to a third-generation band geek, I hold my head high. I I did not mean that in a disparaging way at all. I, I was just using it as the, the the 80s trope, the 80s high school yeah. movie trope. It was always the band geek who was... Who is, I was friends with a no. Now listen to me. I had great friends that were band geeks back then. No, I was. <laughs> I love it. I was. I, my my wife grew up as a, as a theater geek, so you know it's it's. I I'm. I did not mean that in a disparaging way at all, and I I feel bad about it now. I'm sorry. And and here's here's uh Debbie's response to you. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. <laughs> I'm having oh, fun with this album tonight. I'm sorry. This that is what happens when I eat a half a gallon of ice cream right before the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting wacky van tonight. There's nothing you can do about it. All right. There's a few more. Middle-aged Geek Tim says, Fan theory. The Zathras that went back in time with Sinclair became the model for all future Zathras. He knew that the great machine needed to be ready for the next Shadow War. Unfortunately, it took a thousand years to get it fixed. I am a hundred percent on board with that. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board. I, I still think Zathras is were were all they're all clones of somebody. Yeah, and it could. I all right. I put it to you this way. I think Zat. Zathras is the living triluminary. Ooh, look he's at just that. A loop. He's a loop. Right. Because he has one, no beginning and no end. One of the ten, nine, Zathras went back in time, and, and as, as Middle Age Geek Tim is saying, and basically was the template for the future. Right. Zathras. He yep. was the one where they got the genetic material for to make the Zathras clones. Good so lord. He never was born. He's just always right. been. And they made ten of them. He he is the Nine. one. <laughs> I never get tired of that. Uh oh, Weird Al Bester has the shortest comment ever, and it's so great. You ready? Right. He says, I'd watch, quote, 
a tombe shift, unquote. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're going to make Jeez. this happen. I'm a, I should start tweeting at JMS constantly. Right. <laughs> when, is a, when is Major Atumbe getting his own show, JMS? you got to do it. He gets so mad. That would, that would definitely seal the deal of him never coming onto our show. <laughs> is there, yeah, well, is there any chance that JMS remembers who Major Atumbe is? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I think he would be like, what? What are you talking about? Who? Well, I think, I think he's a regular listener to the show. So. <laughs> oh, God. Well, then I'm he would sure know, he for sure, because God knows we talk about him enough. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, you know, Van, if, if you ever come out of fanfix retirement, it, it would have to be for a tomb base. It would. Yeah, I, I did a whole, I did a five-season breakdown of the Crusade storyline in the Dark Mirror universe, and it's on my website. I'll, I'll post it in the show notes or on the Patreon or yeah, something. Yeah, do for that. Any, That's cool. Poor sucker that wants to find out. All right. Um, ben, I'm all caught up now, so I have to wait for new episodes. Rose says, I remember how optimistic everyone was on the season three overall review when talking about the fast pace of season four and how no one would have time to catch their breath. I think we're now six episodes into the breath-catching phase. He is correct. That, Killing and, it. And that, that has completely caught me off guard. So, yes, and he says, aside from Marcus blowing up some asteroids in Sector 87, which I think nothing happened there, by the way, right? Nothing. And some Minbari fuel system Kool Aid. We have a little while to go before things pick up again. I, I don't know. I think they're starting to they're starting to pick up a little bit. I think we're going to see. Um, uh, I'm going through and handing out hearts, by the way, to all these comments because. These were all really. These are all. These have been gold tonight. Every one of these yeah. has just been a, has been gold. All right, yeah. Allison, our our beloved Allison says, I want to see Ivanova and Zathras do who's on first because that would be comedy gold. Dad, you're right. Keeping the streak yeah. going here. I'll let you and Andy act a little of that verbal interchange for. I don't know about that. Yeah, also, Van, yeah. Van does the voices. I can't do voices. Yeah, I <laughs> I'll I'll play the straight person. I'll be Ivanova. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she says, also, damn, does not Claudia Christian have amazing hair? Up, down, messed up. Her tresses always look so good. That is true. That is very true. She's got fantastic hair. She does. That's awesome. And then she says, I looked up the Drock in the B5 encyclopedia. So she's ahead of me. I, didn't, I have it. I didn't even think to do that. And she <laughs> says, it gives no clue to their age. I guess we were trying to figure out how old they were. Right. How far how, back How old were. the race was, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't say. I Scream Clone, great name, with a Boba Fett head, so even better, because as you can see, I've added something to my... Uh, Ooh, is that the Black Series helmet? Yes. That's the one I wear when I wear my entire Boba Fett costume. I have gotcha. an entire Bo- I have a John Sheridan costume and a Boba Fett costume, and I feel like I've got two of the three triumvirate of awesome characters. If I had a full Iron Man suit of armor, I would just say I'm done, <laughs> but I, I don't. Because you can see Boba, like behind me is Iron Man, Boba Fett, Iron Man, right? Boba Fett, Iron Man, Iron Man, Boba Fett. For those for those listening and not watching on YouTube, Van has a a whole bookshelf of of geek books and paraphernalia behind him. There's a lot. I see a lot of Iron Man stuff. Yeah. And and a fair amount of Boba Fett stuff, and a little Auburn helmet back there too. Just and, and, a oh, and there's the, the, the Auburn tiger. Yep, I see it. That's obvious. But there's a lot of comic books and stuff like that, novels and stuff. And then history that's stuff. Cool. 
and history but, stuff. This is a whole Warhammer 40K, but we'll get to, we'll get to that. Anyway. Right. Um, yeah, we need to do a YouTube show. We haven't done a YouTube show yet other than our uh, playing card thing. Right. We haven't. We, we should show that. everybody. Yeah, we, we could do a, a YouTube video to show everybody your uh, your bookshelves in my son's playroom. Yeah. And and when we get the when we get the right episode, we can do that. Right. Um, let me see. Ice cream clone says, "Sorry, Andy. Not everyone can have the palatial White Rocket Studio." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's an appropriate one to read right after my. Yeah, statement. <laughs> it's true. He says, "We do, however, need to move you to F size quarters, nice and intimate, with a smiley face." So, I I, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I assume it's very good. Uh, and and he got a uh, heart for that from somebody else. Okay, all right, that's it. So. Um, we are caught up. The only other thing we would have to do is to go into spoiler space, but I actually don't have any uh, spoilerage space to talk about this week. Do you have anything you want to talk about for spoiler space? Uh, I guess we could talk about Nehrun. Truncate activated. Wrong! All right, so join us here on the other side of the jump gate for spoiler space, where we talk about spoilers. Um, what, so what? So lay it out for me. How how do you see the Nerun thing? I I mean, he's obviously playing the 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 the, the triple agent. He he's not really betraying Delenn. God, he's a quadruple agent eventually. Then. Right. Holy right. crap! Yeah, because think about it. He's working for the Warrior cast, but then he's going to be a double agent and work with the Lynn. But then he's a right. triple agent because he's back. Oh, I fooled her. I, I sucked her in, and now I'm going to betray right. her. And then he ends up basically... <laughs> he's a right. quadruple. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Well, it, and it's interesting that Delenn went, went along with it because she... They... Uh, what's the word? Escalated the Civil War. Yeah. That was that was their plan was... was I mean, they made the war... Worse, I guess they 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 well they allowed more stuff that they allowed it to escalate. Yeah. So they could get it to the point where it ended up, you know, in the next episode. So I mean, basically, she's Gandhi and he's Muhammad Jinnah. Right. And you know, there her own people are saying we don't trust her in this. We don't want her to give everything away to them. Right. And. um which I thought was interesting that she comes back. I'd forgotten that she kind of turns at the end and is like, tells the religious cast, keep an eye on these warriors, right? Because I still don't trust them and we got to be ready. And they're all like, what? What? Yeah. You know, she, they're like, if she's giving over everything to them, why is she telling us to keep an eye on them and, and you know, all that? That was what. I don't know. That just that caught me by surprise this time. I think. Um, yeah. I I knew that. I remembered that Lanier saved the day physically, but I'd forgotten that the reason I'd forgotten that whole twist where they actually regret right doing it, and she kind of makes them feel bad about it, you know, without even knowing. Right. Well, yeah. I now I wonder, knowing what what's coming up, I wonder if she did know. Hmm. I wonder. Yeah. Because she suspected that that was all... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. But, we'll but, we'll yeah. talk about this more more ep- next episode, because that's, I mean, that's when everything comes to a head. Yeah, that's right. I, I guess just the spoilery thing for me, just what, to throw out here before we leave, is that what I was trying to get at obliquely before is I felt like Nerun went to that meeting planning to betray her and she impressed him so much, 
that he still went through the motions as expected by Shakiri of reporting back and everything. But in his heart, I think he's starting to have doubts for the first time. That's right. well, no, kind of... Yeah. Knowing what we know now... Yes. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's probably what actually did, you know, how, how yes. the fiction actually did occur. And well, and this is the first time I've ever considered that you could tell that coming in advance. Right. And I'm and I'm not sure if I'm fooling myself or if other people felt it too. You said you didn't. I, cer- okay. I did not. I certainly did not. Cool. I, I, I thought Narun Narun was a, a total jerk. Right. And time. and I want to and and I felt that way the first time, the first five times too. Yeah. I want to know <laughs> if anybody else out there joined me, you know, most recently in saying, huh. Maybe he is kind of, you know, hmm. So let's, I just, let's see what people say. All right. Yeah. Did you have anything else for this section? I did not. All right. I think we're done. Cool. So next time we will talk about 414 Moments of Transition. And that's a title that has been used before in, in dialogue where I think it was back at the end of season one. Was it Chrysalis when they talk about moments of transition from... It was like during Jakar's speech about... When was it? When, when Jakar... Maybe that wasn't in season one. When Jakar gave the speech about the, the bad stuff is coming, the darkness right. is coming and everything. He talked yeah. about things that are whatever are, are happen in moments of something... And then in moments of transition, they become something. I, I'm butchering it to death, but I, I, I think that's something. <laughs> not, not quite as eloquent as JMS put it. <laughs> no, not at all. Not off the off the cuff. No, but I feel like that's when that's that was like a Jakar line talking about they wait for moments of transition to be born or something like that. That that does sound very very familiar. It's definitely a common theme of the yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we get that with the candle and the star and, yep. uh, you know, a number of... Basically, JMS rolls out every Minbari phrase he can as, you know, for the episodes that really hit on the Minbari here the rest of the way. Right, so. right. Okay, well, that'll do it for tonight. This is an episode we didn't have a whole lot to say about, so we went for an hour and 45 minutes. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> but I, I am... I, we, our shows just get longer and longer. It's so weird. I don't understand, right. but... You know, it's it's. I think it's more. We just find more things to talk about. Then, if we went back and did, if we went back and did the mutai again, we'd probably go two and a half hours, honestly, you know, <laughs> just by itself. And a good <sighs> hour of that would just be both of us going mutai. Mutai, yes. The mutai. Honest to goodness, can you believe that we started this series out doing three episodes in one hour? I I can't. How I did can't we believe that? How did we do it? I don't it? know. We. I, I'm tempted to go back and listen to some of those episodes just to see how we did it. We must, we must have, have given on... just like quick one one <sighs> sentence answers to the to to these categories. Honestly, I mean, we've talked about what we're going to do when we get to the end. I honestly yeah. feel like we need to start back over again and do season one <laughs> over and and see if it how different it is this time. Honestly, you know, I don't know. Just do well, like anyway. a, a a reboot of the the podcast. Yeah. Well, you know the uh, the rewatchables podcast that Bill Simmons does. Like their first episode was Heat, that Michael Mann movie Heat, and mm-hmm. like every fifty episodes or so they do a reheat where they watch it and talk about <laughs> it again. So I'm like, hey, we could do the re re one, you know, re season one, reheated uh, one. 
All right. Well, see, we're still we're still going. All right. Let's wrap up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We will see you guys in two weeks for moments of transition, and we look forward to uh, seeing your questions and comments popping up on Patreon. Go to www.b5review.com and sign up and give us a clever name up there if you want to, or go to Patreon and look for White Rocket reviews, and we would love to have you as part of the family. All right, Andy. Until then, we will see you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Van. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.